All right. Good morning, Living Stones. All right. Now, I, you know, we talked about Thanksgiving. I trust uh, everybody had a great Thanksgiving. It's always fun to get together with, with family and everything. And now, just show of hands, who went out and did any Black Friday shopping, went out in the crowds and did any? All right, you don't have to be bashful. You can, all right. Okay, now who would rather do the Cyber Monday thing and buy their stuff online and not have to? Yeah, there, there's definitely more in, in that camp too. Well, it, it, was, it was fun. We, we went out. I, I was with you. We, we went out on, uh, on Thursday night for a little bit, and it was, it was fun. We took the kids out on Friday and had a good time. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that's only once a year. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. But um, so just uh, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Pat Malloy. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, if, if we've not had a conversation, uh, I'd encourage you, please come on up, introduce yourself to me, or even if you have introduced yourself, I'd love to uh, be reminded of your name and, and get to know you a little bit better. But uh, it would be my pleasure just to be able to share a little bit more with you about our journey, and I'd love to hear about yours as well. Um, so we're finishing up today a series that we've been calling Beauty for Ashes. And, and in this series, what we've been talking about is the prophecy that, that Isaiah was sharing in Isaiah 61 about the coming Messiah. And, and not just that, that he wasn't just prophesying it and saying that Jesus was uh, being prepared to, to do a bunch of things, but that that prophecy actually applies to us as well, that God has called all of us to do some of these very things that, that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. So what I want to do is I just want to begin by... Uh, by reading those first four verses in Isaiah 61, our theme verses, and then we're going to get into it from there. So Isaiah said, he said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me, anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. We talked about that last Sunday. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to, prov- and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And we've been sharing this idea that God offers us an exchange. He offers to exchange us something for something else. And and what God always is offering us is way better than what we're exchanging, what we're giving back to Him. And so the question we've really been asking, though, over the last couple of weeks is, how can I experience Isaiah 61 so that I can share Isaiah 61 with others? Like, how can I help those who are brokenhearted when I feel like my heart is broken? How can I, how can I help others experience freedom when I feel like I'm in bondage? How can, how can I comfort those who are mourning when I'm mourning myself? And so two weeks ago, we talked about relationships that oftentimes people feel devastated or brokenhearted about relationships, and that we can start to heal some of those relationships and heal some of those wounds through forgiveness. And then last Sunday, we were talking about insignificance, that that oftentimes we can feel like, well, how can God ever use me, given my past, given the things that I've done, that maybe the things I've done just this morning, why would God ever use somebody like me? Like, surely God only wants to use those who 
who have a diploma on the wall and all this. And, and we talked about that God's not looking for the most qualified people in the world. He's looking for people who are available and people who are willing. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going we're to talk about the verses in Isaiah 61 that talk about freedom, that, that God, has, God desires for every single one of us to experience true freedom in Christ. And that's what we're going to kind of unpack today. So I just want to pray before we begin, and then we'll dive right in. So Father, I just, I just come to you, Lord, and I thank you for your presence. That last song we were singing, God, I'm so grateful that your presence is already here, filling this room with us today, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would just open our hearts, open our, our eyes, open our ears to hear from you today. God, that they wouldn't be my words, they wouldn't be my ideas, Lord, but God, that you would help me to communicate your thoughts and your ideas, Lord. And I pray that it would fall on the good ground of the hearts of your people today. God, that this wouldn't just be a message that we just nod in agreement, but Father, we, we open ourselves up because we want you to do a life-changing work inside of every one of us. So God, have your way in this service this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in, in the last half of the 1800s and the first few decades of the early 1900s, the, the United States was flooded with immigrants coming, especially mainly from, from Europe. And, and the, the main port of entry that, that most of these new immigrants came was through New York City, that that was where most of, the, uh, most of the ships that were bringing these new immigrants came through New York City. And most of those that were coming to the United States through New York were very poor, they were very destitute, they were desperate, they, they had lived a terrible, miserable life in Europe, and they were coming to America for a shot at a new, a new life. They, they wanted, they wanted a, a, new, a new swing at things here in the new world, and they were leaving hopefully all that other baggage and mess behind them. And, and in the aftermath of the Civil War, a French political thinker, and, and forgive me, I never took French, so I'm probably going to butcher his name, but there was a French political thinker, and his name was Édouard René de Le Boulier. And he was inspired by the, by the idea of America being a place of freedom. That, that all, the, all the slaves that, that had been held in, in slavery in, in the South, that after the Civil War, now they were granted freedom. All, all these new immigrants that were coming into America, they were here and they were able to experience religious freedom, freedom to, to own property where in, in the past, or in the, in the old world, property was typically held by, by, by a few, that, the, that America seemed like a place of limitless possibilities that people could go and live their own life and experience freedom. And so he had this idea that he wanted, that he had the idea of building this statue that would welcome all these new immigrants that were coming to America, and the, the, the whole idea of the Statue of Liberty was born from Edouard Le Boulier. And, and his idea was that the French, that they were going to build this statue and present it to the United States as a gift, and that this statue would welcome all of these new immigrants, all these new people that were coming to America and getting ready to experience freedom. And, and so in the 1870s, the French began construction of the Statue of Liberty, and what they wanted to do is they wanted to put it, it wasn't called Liberty Island at the time, but it's that island out in New York Harbor that the French, they, in the 1870s, they started building the Statue of Liberty, but the catch was that the Americans, they were going to have to build and fund the pedestal that the Statue of Liberty was going to stand on. Now, how many have ever been to the Statue of Liberty out in New York? All right, so a, a few have. And and if you've been there, you know this pedestal that the Statue of Liberty is standing on 
it's no small thing. I mean, it, it's, it's enormous. It's huge. And the trouble was that in the 1870s, there was actually a, a depression happening in, in the United States. In fact, up to that point, it was called the Great Depression. And the government wasn't too keen on spending all this money to build this pedestal for a big statue. And so there was a lot of fundraising that, that was taking place to help fund the, the construction of, of this pedestal. Because, because not too many people were, or the government wasn't keen on, on funding it themselves. And so really, it was uh, the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty was done through a lot of donations just by normal, everyday Americans. Well, I, I'm going to put a, a picture of Emma Lazarus up on the screen for you. And if you know who Emma Lazarus is, she, was, she lived in New York at the time, and she was from a, a family of Jewish Germans that they had immigrated to, to America. And she was a poet. And so what she decided to do is she was going to write an original poem and put it up for auction and use some of that, that money that was raised from selling her poem to donate it to, to the creation, the construction of this pedestal. And, and she wrote the poem that's called The New Colossus is the name of the poem that she wrote. And, and in, in it has these famous lines that many of us have probably heard before where she wrote, Give me your poor, your tired, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse from your teeming shores. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my light beside the golden door. And, and the, this beautiful poem is actually on a bronze plaque that's on the, the Statue of Liberty. And, and what's so, the line from this poem that I find so beautiful is your poor, you're tired, you're huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. And, and doesn't that so accurately describe the human condition? Not, not just of 19th century immigrants, but of people here now today. That don't, don't we all have a longing for, to be free? Don't we all have a longing to experience freedom in our lives? And, and I'll tell you, free, the, the idea of like freedom from our past Freedom to make our own decisions and our own choices. Freedom to, from, from all of our, our mistakes and, and the things that we've screwed up and messed up in the past. Somewhere deep down inside every one of us, there's a longing. There, there's an ache that we have to be free. And it's inside every, every single person. And, and so when Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah, and he said that, that Jesus was going to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release of darkness for the prisoners. He was talking about so many different types of things. Like if I, if I asked you to tell me, what, what does freedom mean to you? There would be as many different answers as there are people in the room. Some people are looking for freedom from, from their sin. Maybe freedom from fear. Freedom from addictions. Freedom from maybe uh, uh, relation, toxic relationships. It could be freedom in your finances. I mean, this, this is such a big topic. Like, there, there's no way I could possibly cover every t- single aspect of freedom that Christ offers us. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to just kind of offer a, a kind of a cursory look at the topic of what does freedom in Christ really look like? What, what does it actually look like? And so the first thing we need to understand as it relates to the topic of freedom, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is that Jesus came so that I can experience freedom. And this is kind of a foundational point for what we're going to talk about today. Jesus came so that I 
can experience freedom. And there, there's way too many people who have experienced Jesus' Jesus's salvation and yet still feel in bondage and haven't experienced the freedom that he offers. They've experienced his salvation, but they've not experienced his freedom. And, and, and I'll tell you, Jesus came to forgive us of our sins. He came to, to, to forgive the, mess, uh, the, the, the sins, the choices that we've made. And that, that's indisputable. He came to offer us salvation. But he came to offer us so much more than just salvation. He came to offer us freedom in this life too. Now, how many have ever played the game Monopoly before? Yeah, most, most everybody in the room, right? I, I, in fact, I was, I was playing Monopoly with my kids this weekend during one of our days off. And, and I'm really competitive when it comes to playing games. I don't take it easy on my kids at all, and they beat me, and I was kind of ticked. Um, so I'm just, you know, it says to confess your sins one to another. So I'm just confessing that to you. I was kind of mad with my kids for beating me in Monopoly this weekend. But if you've ever played Monopoly, you know that one of the cards that you can get is the get-out-of-jail-free card, right? And so you think about it. What's great about the get-out-of-jail-free card is you don't do anything to earn it. You don't pay for it. You just, by landing on chance, by landing on community chest, you just happen to draw this get-out-of-jail-free card. And then if you roll three doubles in a row or you land on the go-to-jail uh, square in the upper right corner of the board, you can get out of jail free. You don't have to pay. You don't have to try to roll your way out of jail. And I'll, and I'll tell you this. Jesus didn't come to earth just so that we could have a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, he, he came for that. Jesus came so that we could avoid the, the punishment that our sins deserve, but he came for so much more than just that. He came for, for more than us just to experience salvation. He came so that we can experience freedom in this life as well. In Galatians 5.1, Paul writes, he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, now think about just that, that phrase at the end there for a moment, the yoke of slavery. Paul is not talking about salvation here. He's, he's not talking about that, that you know, you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, I don't, don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. He's talking about how we can experience freedom in this life. That, that Jesus came so that we can experience freedom right here and right now. And in, fa- and in fact, what, what Paul is saying here, he said, Jesus paid too big a price for you to go back to living the way that you were living before. Jesus' blood was too precious and cost too much for you to go back to that old way of living, to go back to a slavery mindset. But that you've been, you've been purchased and you can experience freedom here and now. And so the second thing that I want you to hear about freedom, not only did Jesus come that I can experience freedom, but we also have a choice that we need to make, that we need to take off slavery and we need to put on freedom. We can take off slavery and put on freedom. That there is, at some point there's a choice that we have to make. Jesus speaks to, to this idea of putting on freedom. And it, and it sounds very similar to what Paul was saying in Galatians 5, but from a, from a different angle, from a different point of view. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Doesn't that kind of sound like Emma Lazarus' poem? If you're burdened, if you're weary, come to me and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You have two competing ideas here of a yoke. Paul Paul says, don't go back and put on that yoke of slavery again. And Jesus is saying, I want you to put on my yoke. I want you to put on the yoke of freedom that I offer because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. If if you know anything about what a yoke is, a yoke is something that, that you would put like a team of oxen, two oxen together, and it's a clamp that goes around the oxen's neck that as they're getting ready to pull the plow and they're busting up the, the ground, these oxen would, would work together because they are yoked together. They have the, this wooden thing connecting around their necks that connects the two of them together. And, and what the yoke does is it keeps the, the two oxen under control as they do their work. And not only that, it restricts their movement so they can't get away. That these two, these two oxen, they're yoked together. And so they can only move in one direction at a time, so that their, their movements are restricted. But they're also corralled and they're connected to their master. That the, this yoke that they have on them prevents them from wandering off. It, it keeps them connected to their master, the one who's driving the plow. And what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, you can exchange that yoke of slavery and you can put on a yoke of freedom instead. That yoke of slavery that you used to wear, You can put that aside, and if you come to me, put my yoke on, because it's easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Paul's telling us not to go back to to that yoke of slavery again. Jesus is offering us a yoke of freedom. And so at some point, there's a choice that has to be made. At some point, we need to decide which yoke are we putting on, because you are going to put on a yoke. You're going to put something on. And we get to choose. We get to decide, am I going to put on slavery? Am I going to put on freedom? Which one, which one am I going to pick? And, and you might not like the idea of Jesus saying, hey, put my yoke, put my yoke on you. You know, that whole idea of a yoke, it, does, it, does, it, feels, it feels restrictive. It feels like, man, I, I don't know that, that I like this. But, but let me just kind of maybe paint it in a little bit of a, a different light, a different picture. You're going to be clothed in something. You're going to be clothed in something. Do you want to be clothed in a straight jacket? Or do you want to be clothed in a loose-fitting shirt? And, and that's kind of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you, if you put on that yoke of slavery, you're putting yourself in that straight jacket where you're not allowed to move. You're, you're not free. But if you come and put on what I have, you put on the, this loose, this, light, this light-fitting shirt, it's not going to restrict you. This whole idea, what we've been talking about over the last number of weeks, about exchange. That Jesus wants us to exchange one thing for another. In this essence, he's saying, I want you to exchange that yoke of slavery for a yoke of freedom. For a yoke of freedom. So how do we do it, though? Like, if, if, if we have to make a choice, if we have to make a choice, how do, how do I take off that yoke of slavery and put on a yoke of freedom? How do we do it? How do, how do we, you know, you know uh, Paul, Paul was talking this morning, God, just tell me, how do I do it? I, I want to know. How, make it clear to me. And so I want, you, I want you to hear this, and this is the third point you can write down is this. That true freedom 
begins in my mind. True freedom begins in your your mind. And that's where it starts. It doesn't end there. But if you want to experience freedom that only Jesus can bring, it all starts in your mind. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform yourself, or excuse me, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If, if you are going to experience freedom in your life, from whatever it is, whatever, whatever area you feel bound by, whatever area that you feel like you are in shackles, that, that thing that you've tried to get past over and over and over again, and you feel like you can't ever quite shake it, if you want to get freedom in that area, it all starts by changing how you think. It all starts by changing how we think. And, and if you don't change how you think, you'll never be able to experience the freedom that Christ can bring. If we don't change how we think, you'll never be able to experience that freedom that only He can bring. Um, raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption. Uh, yeah, m- most, everybody, most people in this room have seen Shawshank Redemption. And the, the story, Tim Robbins plays a character that ends up going to prison. He was convicted of killing his wife and, and his wife's lover. And he ends up going to prison. And while he's in prison, he meets an old man who's been in prison for 50 years. His name is Brooks. And he, he meets Brooks in prison. And, and they form a relationship over, over the period of time. And eventually, though, Brooks gets paroled. He had been in prison for 50 years, and he ends up being released. He ends up being set free. And Brooks has a really hard time adjusting to life on the outside. Because in prison, he was told when to get up. He was told when to eat, when to sleep when he could go outside. Like everything about his life while he was imprisoned was so structured that he had such a hard time adjusting to life on the outside. He couldn't quite get his mind to wrap around, I'm a free man. I don't have to be told when to eat. I don't have to be told when to sleep anymore. And, And eventually... There's a part in the movie where Brooks is having this internal monologue and, and he's wondering, should I just rob the, the grocery store that I'm working at so that they'll send me back? Because it was more comfortable when I was in prison. Like, I, I, I knew what to expect. I, my mind is having a hard time adjusting to a life of freedom. And it was easier for me being back in prison. And, and eventually, the sad part is Brooks ends up hanging himself in the movie because he could never quite get used to the idea of being free. He had such a a captive mindset all the time that he couldn't adjust to and live life experiencing freedom. And and the same same idea of freedom beginning in our mind also plays out in the story of the Israelites in the Exodus. That that if if you know your Old Testament at, at all, that... The, the Israelite people, they had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And they were very much like Brooks. They were told when to eat, when to sleep, when to work. Like they, they had everything done for them. And eventually, God raises Moses up and he was going to lead the Israelite people out of the bondage that they were in and take them to a place of freedom. He, they, Moses was going to lead them to the promised land that God had promised to Abraham hundreds of years before. And, and at one point, Moses is talking with God, and he's saying, all right, all right, God, 
you're sending me to go free our, our people, the Israelites. What do I tell them? What do I even say to them as I'm getting ready to say, hey, God's about to get us out of here. And in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, this is a conversation between God and Moses. And God is saying, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. There's that word yoke again. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Now notice what God is saying here. He's saying, I'm going to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'm going to bring you out. You are going to be, you are going to be saved from being slaves. Do you catch what he's saying? I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I'm going to lead you to a land that I've prepared for you. you are going to, I'm going to save my people. They're going to be able to experience salvation by being brought out of Egypt. But the very next thing he says, though, is he says, then I'm, I will free you from being slaves to them. Not only am I going to save you, not only am I going to bring you out, but I'm going to free you. I'm going to free you from being slaves. And, and, and I'll tell you this, the Israelites, God, God knew something about the Israelites that just like Brooks was having a hard time adjusting to the idea of being a free man. He was having a hard time adjusting to the idea of how can I operate when I'm not in bondage. God knew that the Israelites were going to have that same issue. That they might have been brought out of Egypt, but he had to free them from that slave mindset. He had to change the way that they thought so that they could truly experience freedom. Because like I said, for 400 years, they were told when to wake up. They were told when to work. They were told when, when to rest, when to sleep, all these things. They were not allowed to make any of their, their own decisions. And God is saying, not only am I going to free you from being a slave, not only am I going to save you from being slaves to the Egyptians, I'm going to free you from having the mindset of a slave. I'm going to renew, I'm going to start changing your way of thinking. But And I'll, I'll tell you this though, this renewing of your mind takes time. Just like we talked about with forgiveness, forgiveness is a process. And oftentimes, freedom, renewing our minds so that we can think like free men, like free women, is also going to take time as well. It's not something that happens instantaneously. It's a process. And, and God, if you know the story, God obviously does lead his people out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. And, and they, they, they continue to have one obstacle after another. And, and what's so interesting, at one point, you know, they're, they're up against the Red Sea here, and Pharaoh's army is chasing after them. Pharaoh changed his mind. The, his army is chasing after them. And they start complaining. They start saying, Moses, were there not a gra- enough graves left in Egypt? We, like, we wanted to stay there. It would have been easier for us to go back. Just like Brooks was saying, man, I, I, I should just rob this store so they'll send me back. The Egyptians were having that same slave mindset of saying, man, things were so much better when I was in captivity because they were still thinking. They were still thinking like slaves. They still had a slave mindset. The Israelites and all of us have to learn how to, how to see ourselves as free men and free women. We, we need to change the way that we think. That we, need to, we need to see ourselves as being free. We need to be able to envision ourselves being able to be free from whatever it is that we feel restricted by, whatever we feel shackled by. We need to, we need to renew our mind 
and renew our thoughts so that they match God's ideas and God's thoughts. We, we need to renew the way that we see things so that we're not seeing the, the way that we see things, we're seeing things the way that God actually sees them. And, and I'll tell you, I, I mentioned this a, a little bit last week when we were talking about labels. Some of those labels that we put on ourselves and some of those labels that other people have said about us that we've started to believe. Oh, I'm not good enough. I have nothing to offer. I'm just a loser. I'm just an addict. I'm just a drunk. I'm just a whatever. You fill in the blank. And I'll tell you, the way that God sees you is way different than the way you see yourself, is way different than the way other people see you. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 in the New Living Translation, Paul writes this. He says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. God has made you an heir. And that is great news to everybody who's in this room. That you are an heir. God has made you an heir. God has adopted you into his family. Now, now think about adoption for just a moment. Like pregnancy can be a surprise. And, and maybe there's people in the room, you realize, you, I mean, pregnancy can be a surprise. <laughs> but, but adoption is premeditated. Adoption is premeditated. That, that when, when God said, I'm adopting you, or, or let me say it this way. If you've been adopted, it's because your parents said, I want you in my family. I, I want to bring you in to my home. I want to bring you into my, my life, into my family, and you're going to be one of us. It's premeditated. And I'll tell you, that same premeditation is what God had. When, when God adopted you into his family, it's because he looked at you in spite of your mess. He looked at you in spite of your past, in spite of the decisions and things that you've done, and said, I want you in my house. I want you in my family. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. And, and I'll tell you, how amazing is it that God looked at me, that God looked at you and said, I want you, you're mine. I want you, you're mine. I, I'll, I'll tell you, some of you in this room might find it difficult today to see yourself the way that God sees you. Like some of you might find it difficult to believe that God takes pleasure in you. You know the Bible says that? That God takes pleasure in you. He delights in you. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. Like some of you in the room might find that hard to swallow and hard to believe. But, but, it, but it's really true. And I, and I have something for you that I, that I want everybody to grab on their way out today. That at the Welcome Center, I wrote out 49 ident identity messages of who God says you are. 49 different things. That, that are all backed up in Scripture. I have, I have a Bible verse for every single one of these. Of who God says that you are. Of what God says that He's doing in your life. And, and I'll tell you, I want, you to, I want everybody to grab one of these on your way out today. And, or grab one per, for family. If I need to print off more, I'll have them available next week for you as well. I want you to take this home, but I don't want you just to set it aside somewhere. 
I want you to actually take this week and start reading through these. And, and not just read through them. I want you to start speaking them over yourself. I want, I want your ears to hear you say what God thinks of you. I, I want your ears to, to hear you say that you're not condemned. I want your ears to hear you say that you've been set free from the law of sin and death. I want your own ears to hear you say that you are a child of God, that you're a citizen of heaven, that there's nothing you can do that can pluck you out of God's hands. I I want you to hear you say that to yourself. Truly internalize who is it that God says that you are. But for some of you, for some of you it might not be who God says I am. For some of you it might be, all right, God, what is, what is the truth you say about my situation? What is the truth that you have to say about my, about my life, about my addiction? And, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's finances, maybe it's a relationship. Whatever, whatever area you feel like you are in bondage, whatever area you feel like you've tried over and over and over again, and you keep falling into that same pit, and you keep falling into that same trap, what is it that God has to say about that? And so I, I'm encouraging you, dive into your word. Find, find look up. Find what, what does God have to say about finances, about being free? What does God have to say about relationships? What does God have to say uh, about, about children, about addictions, wh- whatever it might be? And then align your thoughts with what God's thoughts are. We need, we need to start seeing things the way that God sees them. We need to start thinking things the way that God thinks about them. And if we're ever going to experience freedom, that's how we renew our mind. We renew our mind by not continuing to go down the same thoughts and the same patterns that we used to go down. It's about charting a new course and thinking new thoughts once again. And I'll tell you, this, this is not some magic formula. Just, just by changing your thoughts doesn't automatically mean you're going to be set free but it's the first step in going in that direction. It's the first, it's the first step of, of beginning to see how God really wants us to live and truly be free in those different areas. So, so I'm going to close with this, and I'll invite the band to, to come back up right now. But as, as the Israelites finally left Egypt, they, they had crossed the Red Sea, they, they had gone out, and they wandered through the desert for a while, and they came right up to the edge of a land called Canaan. And this, this was the promised land. This, this was the land that God had said, I, I've set this aside for you. This is going to be your land, your inheritance, your, your property. And what I want you to do is I want you to go and possess it. It already belongs to you. I've promised it. It's already yours. Now I want you to go and take it. I want you to go and I want you to possess this land. And, and over and over again, God is reminding the Israelites, I've given this to you. I've given this land to you. It's already yours. But, but what I said before is, the Israelites, they still had that slave mindset. They weren't thinking as free men and free women. They were still thinking as slaves. And so, have you ever noticed, like, two people can see the exact same thing and see something that's completely different? Like I, and I'm not taking a side on this, but take like the impeachment hearings. Like you have the, the Fox News crew that says, wow, this exonerates the president. And you have the MSNBC crew saying, wow, this, this condemns the president. Like they're, they're, we're watching the exact same hearings 
and come into two totally different conclusions about what's actually happening. And that's what was taking place right here as the Israelites were on the edge of Canaan. They were looking at this promised land, this land that God had said, this is yours. I want you to have it. Go and take it and possess it. And God saw, what God saw, he saw a land where his people could be free to worship him. And what the Israelites saw was a land full of giants and fortified cities. What, what God saw, God saw a land where his people were going to be able to flourish. Where he, he said that the rest of the world was going to be blessed through his people. He, he saw a land where this was going to happen. And the Israelites, they looked at that same land and they saw that it was too tough. It was too difficult. It was going to be too, too dangerous. It would have been better had they stayed back in Egypt. They're looking at the same thing and coming to two radically different conclusions because they were still looking at it from a slave mindset. They were still looking at it not from God's point of view. They were looking at it from, from their own point of view. And of all the, the millions of people that ended up leaving Egypt, only two of them, two of those millions got to enter the promised land because Caleb and Joshua, and I don't have time to go into the whole story, Caleb and Joshua, they chose to see things the way that God was seeing them. They chose to, to, to view things and to think about the promised land the way that God thought the pro- about the promised land. That when the spies were, were sent in, all, ten of the spies came back and said, nope, too hard. It land is filled with giants. There's no way we're going to be able to do it. Caleb and Joshua said, no, God says this is ours. And let's go and let's take it. Let, let's go take it because it's already, it already belongs to us. I'll... They were ready to go and enter the promised land. They were ready to go and possess the freedom that God had already given to them. But unfortunately, the rest of the Israelites, they were still thinking with a slave mindset instead of a mindset of somebody who's, who's truly free. Now, now, exchanging our thoughts for God's thoughts will not automatically free you from the bondages that you have. It, it, it's not going to just automatically just change it in an instant. Like the Israelites, they still had to go in and they still had to, they still had to fight. They still had to take the land even though it was theirs already. But the good news is they had already been promised that they could have that freedom, that that was an inheritance to them. And I'll tell you this, that same thing applies in your life too. Whatever area you might be struggling with, whatever area you need freedom in, start asking, God, I want to see this the way that you see it. I want to think about this the way that you think about it. And it's, and it's not going to just automatically make it happen, but it's going to get you one step closer to truly being able to claim your promised land. It's going to get you one step closer to truly being able to have freedom in your life. So I, I, what I want you to do is search this book out. What does God say about you? What does God say about your situation? What does God say about the things that you're struggling with in your life? And renew your mind by changing how you think. Align your thoughts with God's thoughts. And align the way that you see things with the way God sees things. So if you would just close your eyes, I just want to pray for you right now. And I just want to pray that God's just going to do something in the lives of our, our, of our Living Stones family. So Father, we, we just want to tell you that we love you. And God, we're so grateful for, for you meeting with us here this morning. Thank you, God, that, that you came so that we might have life and have it, have it abundantly, have it to the full. But God, you didn't come just to save us from hell. But God, you came 
so that we could also experience freedom here in this life as well. You, you not only purchased our salvation on the cross, but you purchased our freedom. And God, we thank you. God, we thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you for being so gracious to us, Lord. And, and God, I just pray for my friends this morning. God, who are struggling in, in one way or another, that they, they've had something that they feel like they just have not been able to shake. That no matter how hard they've tried, they keep going back to the same thing, whatever it is, over and over again. God, I pray for those that have experienced your saving power, but they still feel like they're in bondage. That they've tried to get freedom, but they still feel like a prisoner. God, just like we were singing this morning, that you are a chain breaker. God, you came to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And I pray for everyone in this room, God, that we would all be able to truly experience freedom that only you can provide. God, help us to see ourselves and help us to see our situation, God, as you see them. Not, not, not through our eyes, not the way that we see them. God, we want to see them the way that you do. God, help us to hear from you and your word. And God, help us to line our thoughts up accordingly. God, we want to think your thoughts. And we want to see things the way that you do. God, your, your word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, that there is freedom. God, let your spirit invade our lives. God, invade our homes, invade our places of work, invade our relationships, Lord. God, we're believing for miracles. We're, we're believing that you are going to be breaking those bondages. So God, let your spirit invade our lives, Lord, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God, we're believing that you are going to release people so they can inherit their promised land. God, that just like you said you were going to bless the rest of the world through the Israelites, God, we pray that you're going to bless the rest of the world through us. So God, help us to experience the freedom that we need so that we can bring it to others who desperately need it as well. In Jesus' name, amen.